anyway, uh, before we get into it, but uh, I want to ask you before we do our dedication, when's the first time? Did, did you go to theater to see this? Yes, I did. I saw right. it on Christmas of 1990. Right. Uh, and um, I... Uh, Is that when it came out? Like late? Yeah. 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 It came out, um, uh, I remember Christmas Day of 1990 that 1990. it was like, God is when it came out and it was winter time and... Uh, in fact, I was supposed to meet my other cousin, uh, Jim Zabella, uh, on my dad's right. side. We were supposed to meet. And you went our, alone? Huh? You yeah, went our, by? Our information got, yeah. you know, jangled or something happened. I wasn't able to get a hold of him. Yeah. This was before the time of cell phones, and uh, it was just a mix-up. It, it was a family mix-up about it, a movie about family. Family mix-up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and I feel, I, feel so, I feel bad about that, too, you know, like, oh, to this day. Okay. Um, before we get started, there's one podcast that I want to acknowledge. Um, there have been huge fans of us even before we even started our podcast. Uh, we were on social medias before our podcast launched. There have been big supporters. They talk about us all the time on their podcast. I'd love to give a shout out to to um, Christian and Damon and their podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show. Oh, yes. So they do a variety of stuff. They talk about pro wrestling, comic books, and like pop culture. Very cool. Yeah, and I think um, you can, if you listen, one of them is, really loves horror movies. Oh, that, <laughs> yes. Uh, you'll, you'll know exactly what... I've been a little hesitant to do this one. There's a little bit. Well, there's some friction when you do the third, yeah, the Godfather, the because third installment, and also of any third film too. You know, save maybe Star Wars or right, uh, or what comes to mind, Lord of the Rings. You know, the uh, third one. Yeah, I'm even. I'm. I'm a little apologetic to Return of Jedi. Yeah, I'm a little apologetic to Dark Knight Rises, even though something's really. It's true. There's not real one that's a captivating third part. When you think of a third movie, you think more of Jaws 3D than you do anything else. Well, you there's some. I believe it's almost an expectation because yeah. you know what's going on. You know what's going to happen going in, right? Yep. You know these people. It's true. And they're you know what they've been going through before the third, right? And it's usually when the formula kind of turns into a satire or a parody of itself. It's where right. you know what what they used to say jumps the shark is you know you're yeah. lucky if your third one does very well. And that that phrase came from Happy that Day. came from Happy Days. Happy Days when Henry Winkler went <laughs> jumped over the shark and it and was the, so ridiculous it like you obviously ran out of ideas. Yeah. And it's it stuck. It's yeah, it's it totally stuck where of a film or a, or a TV show just yeah. yeah, it starts repeating itself or oh come on you know, yeah. the co- the Cousin Oliver um, of Brady Bunch sort of shtick. <laughs> so uh, we, when we left off of Godfather 2, Francis Ford Coppola had a, a very pronounced career afterwards. He yes, doing, he did. He did the, what I considered his best, conversation, the conversation. Yep. People were kind of disagree. This is a personal favorite. I mean, but um, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. So late 70s were pretty much him... Oh yeah, him. Anything he did was marvelous. He he um, was. Uh, it was basically carte blanche for him, and he was mm-hmm. considered one of the great director auteurs. And yeah. uh, coming to Godfather Part Three, 
Um, he, he basically said, I have nothing to add or detract with the story. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you know, and he said, Godfather one and Godfather two and I'm done. And he said right. that the only way that he would like start a Godfather three would right. be, um, you know, to compel him to, to even make it would be a dire financial situation where that's he, what he, yeah, where yeah. he needed the money. I remember seeing him being interviewed in the actor studio and somebody's yeah. like, you, you want the artistic answer? You want the real answer? The real answer was, <laughs> right. I had my vineyard, uh, growing wine and I was yeah. losing money. And- oh yeah. And that uh, and that dire situation, yeah, it came in 1982 with the film One from the Heart, Uh, and uh, he it was a musical extravaganza uh, with the original score by Tom Waits and uh, Crystal Gale. So before we get to the 90s and in the 70s, he's doing fantastic stuff, and I think he wanted to pull away from kind of commercialism films. Yeah, he did, and he lost a lot of his. Uh, you know, a little yeah. uh, his luster right there, but that's who he is. He's not a, a very much a high commercial film. He likes to do these artistic quality films. He he really does. Yeah. And for some reason, um, the idea of a musical really really hit him. And yeah. what it was supposed to be was uh, the simple song and dance uh, movie. And it, as monsters grow, it yeah. just started getting bigger and bigger. And he started borrowing uh, money and. Uh, um, using a lot of his own funds, and it just grew into this what was supposed to be a rather, you know, modest budget turned into this twenty-six million dollar huge <laughs> musical, and yeah. and that's so, a constant thing with him. Though. Yeah, it, that's it, true. We always go beyond the budget. Paramount got really, really nervous. They were like, "Okay, we're going to back you," and then they. Then they backed off when they saw yeah. some of the footage. It wasn't what you call a uh, your traditional musical. Uh, Tom Waits and Crystal Gale, they did the soundtrack, but they were more in the lines of kind of like a Greek chorus. So they right. would sing, and it would reflect what was going on with the characters. They're not headlining it. They're exactly. they're just they're just part of the part of the the atmosphere. Yeah, and it had a small cast. It was Terry Garr. And uh, Frederick Forrest, who was in Apocalypse Now. Okay, yep. Yep. And uh, then uh, Raul Julia and... uh, Which is, he's actually amazing. He is. He's a fantastic actor. And Natasha Kinski. And it was basically those four. Before you get... um, TMC just ran The Eyes of Laura Mars. But... Raul Julia is in it, and he's only in there for a total, I think, 15 minutes. He steals every time he's in it. He is, yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> Everybody he's, knows him at the Adam Family. Oh, yeah. Movie, but, gosh. Damn. Yeah, he, he just, he just he yeah, is an right. amazing talent. And but. I want to mention, um, during the 80s when he was doing a lot of these, he did, like, two S.E. Hinton books, which was Rumble, Rumble Fish yep. and Outsiders. The Outsiders. And a nice thing is, when he did Rumble Fish, uh, he had his nephew in the movie, uh, Nicolas Cage. Yes. Which is, his real name is Nicholas Coppola. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and as well as he has Mickey Rooney. And when we talked about with, um, you know, films and studies and interviews, um, Francis allowed Sean Penn and Tom Cruise to come in the studio and watch Mickey Rourke act. That is so cool. And he's like, this is how you do it, guys. <laughs> yeah. And Sean Penn and Tom, they sat together and this, they were on, during filming to watch Mickey Rourke 
to his performances. Oh, it's amazing. And it's amazing film. in the early 80s. I mean, he was yeah. the phenomenal New York actor. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, that, Pope of Greenwich Village. He was yeah, just, him yeah. and Eric Roberts. Which yeah. were, you were, they were like best buds, and then they go to this movie <laughs> together. <laughs> right. that's, that's true. And in the 80s, it wasn't really necessary all that kind with him. I don't think he really cared. No. No, <laughs> that's, that's true. And uh, the film... Uh, for all of its, it was it's very imaginative. It's it's uh, this musical called yeah, uh, one from the heart. One from the heart. Right. Yeah, and it's very you're not going to really remember it because it came and went. Uh, it it cost twenty six million to make, and it only garnished about six hundred thirty seven thousand. That's thousand yeah. dollars. It was a huge bomb. Yeah. And he never recovered. He just he all of a sudden he this this fantastic director uh, found himself as being kind of a gun for hire as a director after yeah. that, you know. And Paramount was like, no, there were, I remember there's yeah. articles in the '80s that maybe he's just one, two, three, and that's it for him. Oh yeah, yeah. they yeah. it was like you know, hey Coppola, who's he? It's he. They were they were like, well, he went the way of Chimino, you know, and right. uh, so. Yeah, he he would pick up anything that you know. Hey, Peggy Sue got married. Okay, I'll I'll direct that. You know, <laughs> with, with Jack, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah, Jack with Nicholas. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams. Okay, I'll I'll pick up that. I'll do that. Yeah. And uh, 1990 uh, for years for decades, Paramount said, "Hey, Godfather Part Three, please." Right, because in the 80s there was always loosely somebody attached to a Godfather. Yeah. Part three, Stallone was hot, and everybody's yep. like, "Why don't you do it? You're Italian, and you, you, you've done writing." And they're trying every; they're just throwing anything that could stick against the wall That's to see true. if there they want Godfather three. And yeah. and then finally, what? How did they get Ford? Coppola? Well, um, because he was in a, it took a dire financial situation, right. like one from the heart, and then Coppola said, "Hey, remember that one idea about you wanting me to do Godfather 3? Well, Paramount was like, "Yeah." <laughs> And he was all ready to do it. Well, producers have a very linear thinking, right? Yeah. Godfather 1 made X amount of dollars. Godfather 2 made X amount of dollars. Well, if you do another one, it should do even more. Yeah, that's their should. thinking. Yeah. It, that's what they're thinking is if you kick out another one, it should you know the the profits should double each time. Oh yeah, it's been so what, many decades since the yeah. um, the first and the second one. Uh, people are really going to be. We're going to use the same people. I and, yeah. have to admit, when I was you know the that summer uh, of uh, nineteen eighty nine, when it was or nineteen ninety, when they were mm-hmm. about ready to to distribute it, and I saw the trailer for Godfather Three, my jaw dropped. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's very luscious. Yes. And yeah. I was like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. Nobody, everybody was anticipating Even this if you movie. don't like it, even you've seen it, it's oh, yeah. very luscious. That's it the is. word I get almost <laughs> flowers and color. And, it is. Yeah. It's uh, it's a very scrumptious <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I mean, if it was a box of candies, that's what Godfather Part Three, how it looks, yeah. would be. Right, including Andy Garcia's robe. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And uh, yeah, it Paramount was always interested in the third installment, and uh, you know, uh, so they got together, Puzo and Coppola, and yeah. uh, they actually they preferred the title "The Death of Michael Corleone." Because, yes, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they said we, you know, please do not call it 
Godfather Part 3. Do not do that. But Paramount was adamant. It's like, no, it's going to be Godfather Part 3. And Paramount, were, you know, they, they held the ropes on this one. Now they held the ropes. Yeah, they, yeah. Held, they held the strings, if you will. Yeah. Um, part 2, yeah, you're a genius. You can do whatever you want. Um, one from the heart, not so much. We're going to control. We're right. going to control you. <laughs> and, and I think he understood. Yeah, he did. And he... Uh, uh, he always looked upon Godfather Part Three as an epilogue to Godfather Part One and Part Two. I would imagine yeah. that's a correct statement. That and it's not a, entirely a full movie, but it ha- it's just a v- whispering on to the next phase. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, I mean, it could have been that when writing the script, you know, he noticed the scope kind of paled in comparison with maybe the first or second, you know, and and so it was like, well, why don't we call it a different title? Right, but uh, you're right because they told down the scale. Yeah, I mean, the it's a huge, mountainous scope of scale yeah. in Godfather too. Here it's very intimate. Maybe you got to even even the last scene with the stairs. It's very few people. Would you expect very it, intimate? It's it, it is true, and yeah. uh, I think he sensed that, and it's like, well, why don't we? You know, the, even the kind of flavor of it. Why don't we call it a different title? And but Paramount said no. It's going to be a Godfather film, and. Uh, uh, so there was not much, you know, he could really do about it. So, yeah. uh, now a script had been laying around since 1979. Uh, you know how we were talking about, you yes, know. I think this is one that, uh, because of Stallone. Yep. I think this is the same script that, Hey, you know, we got something for you. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, there was, uh, uh, one that Puzo had that was, uh, adapted by Dean Reisner, who, uh, Reisner was a you know pretty well known Hollywood writer and script doctor. Uh, he wrote uh, yeah. Clint, Clint Eastwood's Coogan's Bluff, uh, Play Misty for Me, and he also wrote the original Dirty Harry. So he he had some clout, right? Um, well, especially yeah. those three. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, he <laughs> he also wrote Rich Man Poor Man with uh, Nick Nolte. What the <laughs> yeah on TV, right. but uh, um, he you know he wasn't commissioned to do it. He just you know, wanted to, you know, he asked Puzo, hey, can I adopt this for you? And Puzo said, fine. Um, yeah, because oh, I'm, I'm sure he's in financial needs, too. That's if, true. If, oh, interesting footnote. Yeah. He's He was married to Vam, uh, Vampira. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's his name? The writer? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Reisner. Reisner was married to... Vam- <laughs> Vampira. You know, the... Um, the, the big whore hostess that... Uh, Elvira? Not Elvira. Uh, Vampira. Um, she, okay. She was represented in uh, the movie Ed Wood. She was also in Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yes. Okay. Now, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. And um, now this is the version that was reasonably a card's throw being played. Um, this was basically the story. Michael's son, Anthony, is a naval officer working for the CIA. And he's also involved with the Corleone family in a plot to assassinate a Central American dictator. And uh, Coppola read the script and threw it out. He said, <laughs> "He said I can't work with this." And except for one scene, and that was the uh, the two men that break into Vince's apartment. That one yeah. was pretty much kept, and it wasn't. It was hardly even yeah. touched. It's pretty much how it was in the original script. If you remember, and, and there was an interesting part of Mario Puzo actually wrote the original screenplay for Superman. And yes, it, he and did. It, and yes. it got rejected because it's all about the assassination of the Pope. And it, what the heck? And it's, it's just, yeah. it was not what they're. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it's got the Superman, but we got a Catholic story. What the, it just, <laughs> yeah. It was immediately got rejected. Yeah, that's that's true. And uh, 
Coppola's inspiration for Godfather Part Three was actually, from what he said, was Shakespeare's King Lear. Yes, you'll yeah. very, um, you know, if you know King Lear is dying, yeah. he has this wonderful realm. He's looking for whoever is going to not only take care of him, but make sure that they take care of what he's already accomplished. Yes. He has three daughters, I think Cordelia, Reagan, I think I can't remember the other ones. Yep, the, yeah, and their daughters. Well, here um, you can easily kind of, you Expands know. Expands the exp- That's true. Right. And, you know, he uh, he referenced elements of that story, such as. And if you my, don't understand it, King yeah. the daughters compete with each other. Yep. Vicious. Very much like um, <coughs> Vincent and Joey Zaza. Yeah, very, you know? very viciously that the girls. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Michael's attempt to retire, which throws him, you know, his so-called kingdom into anarchy. And uh, so they try to make, I think, Michael the same age as uh, Vito when yeah. they did the So they kind of like this is what's happening to him at this age, at yes. this stage. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. And uh, both Zaza and Vincent are trying to expand their power. And Michael's really not wanting any part of it. In fact, uh, well, one telling scene is Joe Matania's character, Joey Zaza, says to Michael, uh, Don Corleone, all bastards are liars. Even Shakespeare wrote <laughs> plays about them, you know. And yeah. So uh, he he really wanted to, you know, kind of like really send that home. That um, is very Shakespearean-based. Yes, and of course, the probably the most revealing scene is actually is probably actually Mary herself, who her, his daughter, who dies on the steps, and he's yep. in that absolute agony, um, which is very Shakespearean. You know, you have to have a horrible tragedy it's, at the end, yeah. and so well, you kind of sense throughout the whole movie that there was going to be this foreboding. Coming. Yeah. There wasn't going to be in happy, you know, right, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't going to be ending with all flowers and, you know, and uh, Kate's going back to Michael and right. they're all going to, you know, you know, end up, you know, in Rio de Janeiro on a um, second vacation. I would say the best <laughs> scenes of the movie are with Diane Keaton and Al Pacino together. Yes, the the dynamic of those two are, yeah. are just fantastic. Because she waits a couple movies to finally just... Tongue lash him. Yeah, and I and I always liked Kay, and yeah. so to see her get her, you know, finally get her comeuppance. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, her her chance to confront him and say, "Hey, look, you yeah. know, you were an ass," <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and he even admitted it, you know, right. in this kind of disarming sort of way. Um, he he's trying to win her back, right? And things are relatively going well you find yourself kind of rooting for them because by this time you know the guy's just racked with guilt yes it's very pronounced yeah. in the movie about the, the oh, guilt g- yeah and, and, and i that's, think i think my uh francis trying to tell you have to present weight weight yes. upon everything when you do oh this. It, it's just it's affecting him physically yeah you know with the diabetes and everything so those those scenes do you're right they work really really nice to uh, yeah her and yep they're probably the best All and right. well and also uh getting back to the story copeland puzo like the first two films derived much of the story from actual real events uh dealing with the death of uh pope paul the sixth and the very short uh, papacy of Pope John Paul I. So, yeah, they get yep. into the the uh, tainted history of religious bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, which was actually going on. There was some corruption that was yep. happening during the Banco um, Abrogiano 
uh, scandal of 1982. Yep. They they incorporated that. Um, of course, when I was a kid, I remember, you know, being a kid at Catholic school. I remember Pope John Paul I, you know, I was like, wow, that was a quick papacy. Usually they last longer. <laughs> you know? um, and then all, and then we all of a sudden I knew we had a new pope a couple of weeks later. Yeah. I'm and, sure like, I'm like what? Huh? <laughs> that was exactly it. What? Right. You know, and uh um, but they used those elements, you know, of that. Right. Uh, in fact, a journalist by the name of David Yallop argued that uh, Pope John Paul I was planning on a crackdown on the Vatican finances and that he died by poisoning. And uh, these assumptions, of course, are in the film. But before we put on our aluminum cone conspiracy caps uh, i want to add that none of this has been substantiated wink wink so (laughs) we don't we really don't know um and for pre-production we got and we got to talk about this i love this the the possibility of what a movie could have been if different actors had the existing roles, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Not Tom Hagen. No. no. Well, I want to touch on Tom. Yeah. Uh, but right. Sofia Coppola as Mary. Well, we're talking about family, and it was the yeah. greatest nepotism of all time. It, and it is. I mean, if yeah, it awkwardly has to be this way. If, if, you know, <laughs> must I, it be this way? Yes. Yes, cause yes so, it must. <laughs> if you're going to do a movie about family and oh. Coppola is all about family and it, it, yeah. yeah, it's 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 weirdly fits. I, it, it does. Poor, but just poor Sophia. I mean, before the casting of Hayden Christensen in the what were you thinking department, poor Sophia. I uh, mean. Well, Hayden's very wooden. Yes. I think Sophia is very nervous. She is. She, the poor thing is totally out of her, in my personal opinion, you know, out of her realm. And when she has a remarkable bounce back because she's, she's done remarkable movies directing with uh, Virgin Suicides and just recently Beguiled was mightily impressive. She, oh, she's not poor anymore. Yeah. Yeah. She's now behind the camera and one of the Hollywood's most brilliant directors. But you're right. Prior to the Star Wars of Hayden Christensen, she, she was... Utterly massacred in the media. Oh, but at the time, yeah, yikes. I mean, Julia, now this is the thing. This is this is how it went. Um, the first uh. Mary was going to be Julia Roberts. Uh, she was originally slated to play the part of Mary, but she had scheduling conflicts. And Well, yeah, by late yeah. 80s, she's hot stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, pretty woman. Yeah, um, that was it right there. Yeah, that did it. And actually, Madonna volunteered. How many people do know that Eric Roberts and Julie Roberts are brothers and sisters? You know, that's a good question. I don't think very many people Um, know that. Probably the same that know that Christy McNichol and Peter McNichol are. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because we just mentioned, I just popped in my brain. I don't think very many people recognize that Eric Roberts and Julie Roberts were brothers and sisters. I I, I don't think so. That's a good question. You know, we should do a survey. That would be really good to know. Do you know? (laughs) So, Uh, So they wanted initially Julie Roberts. They wanted initially they wanted Julia Roberts. She had a scheduling conflict. Madonna volunteered to be uh, Mary, but uh, that's a surprise. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm that's, yeah. yeah. She volunteered. Coppola just thought she was too old. Um, yeah. And then uh, Rebecca Schaefer. I don't know if you remember her. She was in maybe if you. She was in a CBS show called My Sister Sam. I barely know. Yeah. I don't think this so. is like the late '80s, and she had she had a tragic end. She uh, she right. was offered the part, but unfortunately, she was she was murdered by a crazed fan. Um, almost she Rebecca Schaefer. Rebecca Schaefer. My was gosh, I, got, I 
I have to go back and look. Yeah. All right. And then the last, well, not necessarily the last, because we know who got the part, but um, the next uh, person was Winona Ryder. And she accepted. I mean, and it looked like she was going to have the right. part. Right. If you read the comments when people do scenes of Godfather 3, it's like, I wonder what if Winona Ryder was in it, yep. what it looked like. Even, yeah. even Ebert kind of uh, mused about that. And uh, she studied the lines. She rehearsed the scenes. She flew to Rome, and it, it looked like a lock, and then she dropped out at the last minute. Um, a lot of people say that she was dating Johnny Depp at the time. That's right, she was. Yep, yeah. and that Depp said, nope, nope, she has too much exhaustion. She can't do this anymore. And if you remember, remember he had a tattoo of the, her name on his arm? Yes, he did. And then when they they stopped dating, he instead of saying Winona on it, it says Wino. Wino. <laughs> But she's taken literally now. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I mean, that's true. <laughs> right. Oh, right. my. So she she just probably, what, love, probably loved Sick for Johnny Depp and yep. Too Far Away. And and that that was it. But she did Age of Innocence with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, she did. Yes, so. she did with uh, Scors- you know, Scorsese directing. And that yeah. was around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. She had a little problems. Too. Yeah, she, she, yeah. she did. Yep. Okay. And so the role when, of Mary, nepotism you know, aside, went to Sophia. And Sophia was, frankly, I I mean, like I said, I I think she was out of her depths acting-wise, and the main argument against the film by critics was her performance. Um, Now, there are exceptions to the rule. Like I said, uh, the late, great Roger Ebert um, said she was not miscast. In fact, he said... Um, she was not miscast in my mind. Look, there is no way to predict what kind of performance Francis Ford Coppola might have obtained from Winona Ryder. Yeah. Uh, like you stated. Because you don't know yeah. what you're really going to get. That's Phenomenal true. or just she's going to phone it in. Yeah, but he did get true. her eventually for the Dracula movie. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah, that's he, right. Coppola eventually got her for the Dracula movie. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the experienced and talented young actress who was originally set to play this role went on a ride. But I think Sophia, this is what he said about Sophia Coppola. Uh, he said, I think she brings a quality of her own to Mary Corleone. A certain upfront vulnerability and simplicity that I think are appropriate and right for the role. Um, okay. Uh, Siskel didn't buy it. <laughs> no, they usually didn't get along. Yeah, he and said, saying Sofia Coppola was completely out of her league here, and I I personally have to side with Siskel. Mary is supposed to be innocent and naive, and that's true, but she almost comes off as vapid. And right. unfortunately, Sophia's you know, is just that, I think. You, you have actors emoting all over the place, in some places chewing scenery like Eli Wallach, yeah, you know? Uh, yes. Uh, when you talked about it, how there's old, um, you know, with, uh, with Marlon Brando, the first one, mm-hmm. old actors uh, keeping maintaining, you know, an, uh, kind of a old guard. And that's, then had, we had Lee Strasberg true. and then Eli Wallach. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and I think the actors are realizing, hey, I'm in a Godfather film. I really have to yeah. show my chops here. And so they're acting, they're emoting. Um, like I said, Wallach's chewing up scenery wherever, wherever he can find it. Yeah. And I think Pacino is too. Um, and Garcia just did a fantastic job as uh, Vincenzo. Yeah, if you read the original criticisms, is everybody thought that after this movie, Garcia would have a career which he yeah. did yeah he did and he did and and unfortunately i i believe that sophia just she just didn't want to be there i mean she was just you could see the panic on her face yeah and um you know uh 
the thing is, is that I was told by a friend, you know, he said, well, hey, do, right. uh, do what do what Ebert mentions, you know, suspend your disbelief that Sophia is not Coppola's daughter. I mean, just some unknown ingenue, you know, from the Actors <laughs> Guild. And would I still be so hard on the performance? <laughs> and I got to say, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't separate that much it's reality. I can't. It's hard, especially when she's yeah. trying to woo Andy Garcia. I know. And, and it's, it's, that, that part's It difficult. looks very juvenile. It does. Yeah. Like, I love you, cuz. I love you, too. Yeah. And it's... it's I'm very... Tr- yeah. I, and the thing is, I want to root for it. I, I want to love Godfather Part 3. And it's... It, I, I have a struggle with that. Um, but that's really the only struggle that I have. Uh, um, also missing, and this is a big, unfortunately, is Robert Duvall as yep, Tom, Tom Hagen. Hagen. Tom yep. Hagen. And... Coppola really wanted Duvall in the film, and Lord knows what the result would have been with the presence of Tom Hagen back in the story. Uh, the problem was financial. Duvall wanted as much money as Pacino. Yeah, well, so. he's got he's had, already had the by now he's had this establishment. Yeah, yeah, and um, and do, I don't know what we would do because Tom is the conscious character throughout the whole movie. Yeah. He's, he's like the logical, he, practical. He was the Jiminy Cricket. And you know, right when the logic practical gets kicked out. Yeah. But yeah, he's like the Jiminy, yeah, he's whispering in your ear what you need to do. Which, yeah, and what's, what is advisable. And that's yeah. what made the drama so interesting when he was conciliary to uh, Jim James Conn's Santino because they yeah. were so different. And that, in the first film. Um, and it was like, wow, what could have been done with Godfather 3 if Hagen was still yeah, in the yeah. film? And it's one of those great what-ifs. Um, as it was, he wrote Tom, and Tom Hagen out of the script and wrote in B.J. Harrison, played by George Hamilton. Yes. Yeah. The man with the permanent tan. <laughs> That's right. It was now known as our Colonel Sanders. Okay. So, <laughs> Well, and, when he came in the actor's studio, he was talking about how when he came to Hollywood, everybody you know, wanted to be the next Marlon Brando. They were doing their fabulous method acting. You know, all these people I met. In, I just want to be the next Cary Grant. <laughs> God, that's <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> he, <laughs> and for what he is, I do, yeah. I do like Harrison. He's this... Very suave New York lawyer, you know. He's yeah, oily. Yeah, <laughs> slightly oily. Yeah, Sl- slightly smarmy, sort of yeah. almost Gordon. Not not wholeheartedly no. smarmy, but you know, underneath you, the... there's a little Gordon Gecko esque. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, and and so I did enjoy that. Uh, except you know, it's kind of the he does a good job, except for the distraction that Tom Hagen's not there. Right. Um, well, you know that's why he's there. That's true. When you watch it, you know why, because it's an old town. And I, I have I have one another quibble, um, and this deals with Hagen. Um, okay. Or part of the characters. I mean, and it's what surprised me that Coppola and Puzo did when they wrote the character um, is they wrote in Tom Hagen's son, Andrew Hagen, in the script, which is which is fine. Okay. Um, and he's a priest, and he's played by John Savage in the film. And what gets me is he gets nothing more than a cameo. I mean, his scene lasts less than a minute. And what bothers me is this is John Savage. Uh, Savage, in my opinion, is a brilliant actor. He played Stevie in The Deer Hunter. Yep. And uh, Wasted. Yeah. 
And he's, it's just basically wasted. Uh, he was in Miles Foreman's hair, and I can know, and I know what this actor can do. He's he's very very good, and here he he actually does this reasonable impersonation of Robert Duvall, so you know it's his son. Okay, and it's just for a split second. It's just a snip, yeah. and I was like. Coppola, what are you doing? He's such a good actor. You're just going to let him just, you know, just pee it away. I, I was really kind of sad by that. And it could it could have added another dynamic right, to the could. story. It definitely it, it definitely an opportunity missed. Or it's yeah. Silent. Um, before we carry on, we're okay. going to take a little bit of a break. All and right. before I let it go, do you th- I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Do you think Mike Tyson actually see this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was inspired. He yes. was inspired by this movie? All right, we'll explain what that is all about. <laughs> I love that. Hi, I'm Carla. And I'm Michael. And we're Go Postal Podcast. We're the podcast that tells you stories about what people have done while drunk, while also giving you some facts about boobs, booze, and the bazaar and the places where these stories take place. We also have a weekly contest where you tell us where the F I am. So join us for some drinking, learning, and laughing. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Find us online at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GoPostalPodcast, and send us your drunk ramblings and anecdotes. You can also email your stories to GoPostalPodcast at gmail.com. Alfie Dezane. Ciao. Are you fascinated by mysterious legends, the paranormal, or UFOs? Do stories of murder, missing persons, and con men send you down internet rabbit holes? Did you grow up watching the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? Does Robert Stack's voice haunt your nightmares? Then our podcast is for you. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. Join us every Wednesday as we discuss the original Robert Stack episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Follow along with us on Amazon Prime or just tune in for our weekly podcast. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and social media at Perhaps It's You. Back and um, if you see the movie, uh, Andy Garcia has an appetite for ears. Yes, he does. <laughs> and uh, he bits it off from uh, Joni Zaza. Yep, Joe Matania. And uh, it 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 starts probably inspired Tyson. Tyson. Yeah, it probably, I bet it did. <laughs> it, and it starts yeah. off with Zaza just kind of needling him, you know, because yeah. at the time. Uh, Vincent's character, he's not a Corleone. He's right. hes considered kind of an outcast. He's a bastard to Sonny Corleone. And Zaza actually uh, owns the area of the old neighborhood yep. right now. Yeah. And so Zaza has all the power. So he can he can needle like, him well, if he almost, wants to. If I remember right, didn't uh, Michael... You're in charge of all my bad stuff. Yes. I'll try to go legit. You do all the bad stuff, so yep. I try to try to wash my hands of this whole thing. And that was that was the thing. While uh, I get the lawyers to clean my money yeah. and I become a legitimate businessman, you know, you do what you do and I don't want any, you know, kind I don't of, want to hear about it. Yes, I want to be far removed from you. Yeah. And Zaza knowing this pulls on uh on Vincent's ear, um, who's considered his last name's Mancini at the time, and uh, says "bastardo," and just just trying to needle him, uh, break his right. vertebral balls, as you know, which is the vernacular that the mafia uses, and uh, <laughs> all the time. Yes, and yep. so 
What is Vincent? That's a very do? East Coast phrase. Yeah, it is. Break. What do you got? Break <laughs> Break ball. Break ball. Break ball. Uh, so Vincent bites his ear, right. you know, and just chomps it, you know. It's a very awkward introduction of Vincent. In the movie. <laughs> it really is. It's almost like boom. Ah, Vincent, what, what, what? Ah, <laughs> uh, my dad was Sonny. What the hell? Yeah. You know, and almost when you watch, you're like, what the hell? And yeah. he acts like Sonny, and so, and he does a great job, you know. Hey, tell him one time, one time, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, temper like his father, and so it, it invokes the past, right. um, which is complete opposite of the other movie um, he did before Godfather Three, which is Untouchables, right? Where he's more of the calm, very quiet, very quiet. Yeah, my name is George Smith. No, yeah. when, when you changed <laughs> before you changed it, you freaking yeah. womp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, I like him. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, very different from what he did in Untouchables. Which yep, is, yep, extremely different. He he has quite a range, and uh, I I thought he did a fantastic job. In in Godfather Three, I, I really Vincent did. is probably well. Andy Garcia is probably the the the, the shining. I said yes. it, when you see um, the dialogue between Kay and Michael, those scenes together, and then the very the punch out, just blasting out yeah. of Vincent Mancini. Uh, true, yeah. and uh, it and it's those times where it's like, whoa, we're watching a Godfather movie. Well, he this very, really. I like his costume. He's very yeah. slick. Right? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's he, almost he's got the part before somebody said you got it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes from very very streetwise, where he looks like a button man. You know, it's like right. he 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 knows all there's the a, angles from the, the street. Baseball phrases. He acts like he made it. He, he was born on third base, but he acts like he made a triple. <laughs> right. That's a great way of looking at it too. <laughs> and as he gets more into Michael's confidence, you see that he becomes more groomed. He starts looking like Michael. There is. A sense of grooming isn't yes it? oh yes in uh, fact you're changing your name yep and oh yeah and then you see the accolades don corleone and he he gets the last name of corleone and he he plays the part and he's actually a calm don um a mild-mannered don and uh was well, a point where michael thinking well all right yeah he's finally getting a little bit of okay him yep yeah, and he's doing and i don't have to worry about it I'm out of this. I'm not going to do this no more. Which why I don't think he has any objection of Mary wooing yeah. her cousin, that's, which is kind of awkward. But yes, but even Michael's like, well, that still kind of solidifies what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, another uh, character that uh, almost, well, another actor that almost got a part and it'd be interesting to know how the film would be played was Don Altobello uh, went to well-known Sergio, Sergio Leone veteran actor uh, Eli Wallach. And Wallach, of course, does an excellent job, but uh, Wallach was not the first choice. Coppola's first choice was none other than Frank Sinatra. Uh, chairman of the board. I wonder if you're going to bring this up because you can, we're kind of going by your notes. But yeah. Yes, there's kind of this resolve after this friction of yep, making a Godfather. Of the first that, film. There, that there's olive branch extent of Coppola. Hey, yep. why'd you come in then? And why don't you do this? And he was interested. He yeah. wanted to do it. And then he noticed the scheduling for the film, which was very taxing. And he was older at that time. And his wife, Barbara, said, you know, actually talked him out of it, saying, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> and Sinatra said, well, my wife says I can't do it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Johnny Carson had the greatest question to Frank of all time. Did he really? What do you who do you play when you get a girl over? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true because you can't play yourself, right? Oh my god. God, the only thing I can think of would be Tony Bennett. Oh, that's a great that's a great question. Even Frank got a little bit of a chuckle out of it. I don't I don't see how you couldn't. Yeah. Um well, uh, the, the the last chuckle about Frank was yeah. it's in his last biography about when he finally finally confessed to Dean, "I'm gonna marry Mia Farrow," and Dean's like, "What? I got Scotch older than her." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that line. That is a great line. <laughs> yeah. And this was this was a good twist too between uh, Coppola and Sinatra, considering how much friction there was with the book and like oh, the yes. film. We're glossing and, over oh, how that's true. He called it he was called, nasty. Oh, he called Puzo a sheep pimp. Yeah, it got <laughs> really know? nasty. It, it really did. That's why we're. It's very comical that even Coppola even. Oh, why don't you come to the movie? Yeah, and yeah. he and uh, there was enough, um, you know, water over the bridge and Godfather as its own entity at the time, and so far removed from reality that Sinatra was like, hey, you know, it's almost flattering to be in this. Film. Yeah, it got to the point in the nineties yeah. is flattering, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, and he he was all for it, but um, uh, now talking about Autobiolo, um this really isn't mentioned in the film, but Don Altobello's backstory okay. uh, was he was concierly, concierge, can, can you do this? Concierge, I think that's what it is. Concierge. Okay, that's it. <laughs> uh, for Rico Tattaglia. Oh, course yeah yes from 1955 to 1961 and he became don of the tatalia crime family in 62 uh he's also a supporting character in the books uh in the novels the godfather returns and the godfather's revenge so it's not a manufactured character oh uh, it's not it's it, actually part of the canon part of that canon okay. yep and uh you know and so um that being said many of the original cast came you know right. uh Diane Keaton, Al Pacino, uh, um, even um, oh uh, Al Martino, who played Johnny Fontaine, uh, came. So oh, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> it's true. How did that escape my brain? Yep. Uh, Talia Shire is Connie, um, and so it. Uh, she gets very nasty. She does. Right. She. She. I mean, she's a regular. Uh, what you don't expect, Lady that from, Macbeth. You, you know, you, this very high introvert that's in the Rocky movies, yep. and you know, when she finally gets smacked around, she d- destroys the house. But oh. Now she's got this. You're like, where is this coming from? You do not want to mess with Connie no. in the third in the third story. You do not. Oh, no, she's had enough. I oh mean, my God. Yeah. I mean, oh geez. To, right. it, it's a good thing that. Um, you know, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, her husband, you know, uh, from the first one. Yeah. It's a good thing that Michael killed him because obviously she was going to, you right. know, a few, yeah. few films later. Yeah. She turns into a very ruthless Like I said, Lady Macbeth. She, um, right. She, if you don't understand the Lady Macbeth, it's yeah. mostly Lady Macbeth whispering these ideas oh. to Macbeth about what she did. She, she has turned into a very interesting character. I've, yeah. I find her more interesting in Godfather Part 3 than See, any I, of the I, other I, films. I think that would be interesting. I wish they would expand that more rather, you know, that dynamic rather than Kay. 
I I agree because uh, if you look at Connie in right. in um, Godfather Two, she's pretty much wasted. I mean, she's there for a couple of pivotal scenes because of Michael, and that's it. How did right. Connie turn out? Well, here we are. We have like three scenes. Um, she's used much more in Godfather Part Four, and um, she's uh, Godfather Godfather Part Three. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Godfather Part Four <laughs> later. <laughs> So, but she's she's used a lot more, and I think for the better. I wish they would add a little more. Yeah, this is the whole film has. I wish there was something more to it, right? Yeah, it's a moment. I I I like what it could have been. Yes, it there is the, there is definitely the structure or skeletal um, story there that I think would have been great. Um, there were a few things that happened with it. Uh, Paramount was rushing Coppola saying, we want you to be on time. I think if he had the time to really work on the film, let it breathe a little bit, let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. I think it would have benefited all of us. I think, right. I've always campaigned for shorter films, but I think if we just extend a little more of a soft introduction to Vincent, instead of this crash party and all of a sudden, yeah, I, I agree. If we have a little small introduction to him. I and I, I do, and I, I think that Coppola was rushed with it. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, I think it, which I can now, do I consider Godfather 3 a good film? Yes, I do. I yeah. think it, it's, do I compare it? I mean, do does it belong in the echelon of the other two? Uh, I, uh, not so much. I have to agree with Coppola himself that it's an epilogue to the two films. And in that... Yeah. That's and, a good, healthy ex- yeah. explanation to it. Uh, and, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think from that point of view, I think the story is marvelous. You know, I think it's a yeah. very good story. Um, unfortunately, uh, some things, it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, it actually had seven nominations um, for it. And it did not win one. That's rather telling. Well, well I think if people like it's deserving to be nominated, yeah, and, and it then is. People are like, okay, they've won so much before. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's right. True. And Eli Wallach got nominated. Yes, think, right? yes, he did. And I think Al got nominated. Al, well. Al also got nominated. Yeah. And um, also, the thing is, is where Godfather Part Three is good. I would even go so far to say it's very good. It came out the same year as Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, which, in my opinion, is a masterpiece. is excellent. It's I would yeah. It's we one of get, Scorsese's best. Yeah, we're gonna have a screaming fight when we pick up Scorsese. <laughs> Yes, I hope I'm not coming too hard on that, Mike. Right. But you're absolutely but right. right. It's, it's set, and that's another Mario Puzo book. Yes, Goodfellas, because it's called titled Wise Guys. But it says he couldn't say Wise Guys. Right, he had to say yeah, Goodfellas with, right. with help from Nicholas Pileggi. And it uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't Mario Puzo. It was Nicholas Pileggi. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting mixed up. Well, okay. that's okay. And yeah. he um, he knew he actually knew um, uh, Henry Hill. And Henry Hill also helped write it. And uh, Scorsese was just inspired. I mean, what can you say? He made a brilliant film, and it came out the same year. Even though Godfather came out first, um, he he made it the same year as uh, Godfather Part Two, and it just... It just swept everybody away. Well, Marty, well, before we, we can probably want to talk about it because they both ran parallel. Yes. It's, it's fascinating that this Godfather 3 is now old Hollywood. 
Yeah. And Marty's presenting, even though he's a little bit older, a new version of Hollywood with Goodfellas. That's true, and that that is true. And you see, you see the mafia from two different points of view. Where Godfather yeah. Part Three, it's um, it's regal, it's larger than life. It, it's about the players. The um, the it's basically a class difference yeah. in in crime. Um, where I, I think in Godfather Three, the tone. Texture, yeah, it's totally different. Is, it's all the same, right? Yeah. In Godfather and Goodfellas, it's different. It's, it's different. Got nostalgia, reality. Yep. Up is cut. It's like almost three movies into one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're made differently. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the class thing where, uh, in Godfather One, even though they're criminals, they would be considered, um, you know, uh, upper class, you know, respectable. Yes. They are, they're the dons. They are the ones that pull the strings. They are the, the movers and shakers. Goodfellas, you know, it's blue collar. They're the button men. Um, some of them are not even made. They're part of a crew, but they're, you know, they're crapped. Yeah. They get crapped on. They would be considered, um, you know, working stiffs of the mafia. So it's from two different points of view. They would be lower class. And so you get two from a class difference. You get two different stories, two different vibes, but, um, you also get a better movie out of Goodfellas too. Um, right. Uh, And I would, I would another point I was going to talk about is 1990 um, is um, with Andy Garcia. He also did after Godfather Three. He did one about. I think it, it gets a bad rap, but there's a it's a very much a Tarantino kind of a feel to it. It's things to do in Denver when you're dead. Uh, and he yes, carried, and he carried that movie so well. And yeah, because that was early 90s when the independent film was all the and it does yeah have that Tarantino. Ter- if you look it up, it has a very vibe. low rating. It, I think people it, because they thought it was just a radiocarbon of Tarantino films, but that has a little bit of heart to it. Yeah, and Andy Garcia is carrying the movie all the way through. There, there are Tarantino carbon copies out there the first that yeah. comes to mind easily is you know boondock saints you know but uh you know and people have their different vibes with it because there's always a certain element of cult status because tarantino likes to work in that in some of those oils but uh i remember that film and i always liked it i always thought it got a bad rap well I, and especially for 1990 uh, you have these gosh they're phenomenal movies I mean, yeah you had, you had, you had Dick Tracy coming back. You got Warren Beatty doing Dick yes. Tracy. You had um, Days of Thunder, which, yep. I mean, that was a good popcorn flick. You had Tom Clancy's Hunt for Red October. He had, uh, you know, a lot of these sequels. And it looked, from these new ideas and, you know, Miller's Crossings from... You oh, got the Coen Brothers, Coen yes. Coen Brothers, these new ideas. It looks like Godfather 3 is just... A regurgitation. Yeah. And it doesn't have any freshness to it that a lot of these movies from the 90s, if you look down the list, have just utmost refreshness to it. It's, and you can almost sense the struggle where this movie was made out of necessity because of the financial aspect of Coen. And the only reason I bring it up is because this looks like Old Guard when the the first two new movies was the new Hollywood. Yes. It a freshness to it. That's true. And I think that's what happens with this third one. It doesn't have a freshness to it. It looks like it's just like. Yeah, I I know. know, Don't forget about us. (laughs) Don't you forget about me. Yeah, I'm Godfather Three alone, baby. Yeah, it 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 does have that uh, that vibe. And uh, that being said, uh, there was talk of a Godfather Part Four. Uh, Do you know why it never really resolved? It's just because the 
disdain for it, this one? Or? No, it was even though, and we all, uh, yeah, uh, Godfather Three did get mixed reviews, and Pyramount was still interested. And in, hey, do you want to do a Godfather Part Four? And Coppola was actually kind of well, you know, okay, yeah. I could always go for some money, but it never germinated. Um, just because I don't think that the passion was there for it, but the storyline was the, the, um, well, one was Puzo passed away. He died. Um, and Coppola really had a hard time getting over that hump because it's like, well, he's my partner in these movies. Um, but there was, there was a storyline laid out where it was going to be similar to Godfather two, where Andy Garcia was going to be a part of the, um, you know, the future aspect of the Corleones. Yeah. And uh, it was going to reflect on uh, Vincenzo and Santino rather than Vito and Michael. Oh, weird. It, yes. Weird. And Leo DiCaprio was kind of slated to play the Santino from the 1930s, while uh, Andy Garcia um, was going to be playing the, the modern Vincenzo. Era, the modern, modern era. Of the 19. 80s and 90s and they were going to do a godfather two sort of you know two stories in one um as time went on the story got you know which i think is kind of interesting concept the story uh, basically you know it collected dust nobody talks about it anymore it would be nobody's bringing it to the restaurant that's right nobody's bringing it to the restaurant with their their agent at dinner you know yeah and now uh dicaprio couldn't play santino my god he's the same age as he's older than uh james con was when james con played santino (laughs) in the godfather so (laughs) he couldn't play a younger sonny so overall we have mixed reviews yes ourselves about yes it. and 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 we do um i i can't condemn it um no, it's, i really i mean cinematography is oh it's not. beautiful it's a beautiful <laughs> God, made film yes. it really is and there's some scenes that make you melt Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, my God. The the scene of where... The stairs. Uh, the stairs yeah. where Michael um, confesses about the murder yeah, of there's, Fredo. Yeah, there's flowers, right? Oh, Remember yeah. Remember that there's a flowers? It's yeah. almost like he's starting, trying to start anew. And what, he gets turned down? He does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> which which Michael does to uh, Joe Mantegna. I don't want to hear about I don't, it. I don't... I don't want to know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you you got some great lines like, you know, before in other films, you know, as soon as I was out, they pulled me back in, you know, and I got a pebble in my shoe. And uh, so it's yeah, there's there's a lot of great lines in there. There's a little bit of a caricature for Al. Yep. There's a little bit that he's now using the entire time. That's that's true. Yeah. It started that's a little seedling of that and <laughs> yeah. it blossomed full well to the, like the late 90s. It, it and it really has. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's pretty good. Uh what's the Minnesota connections about Godfather? I have two of them. Excellent. All right. Excellent. So I think that we talked about it in our prep before, but the yeah. Godfather Pizza franchise started in Minnesota. Well, that's that's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Godfather Pizza started in Minnesota, the franchise. And we have Mancini's here in St. Paul. That's right. Fabulous. Mancini's right on 7th. One right. of the best, best steaks in the city. It's, a, it's very, 
I would say atmosphere. Yes. Bitch. Oh my God. Or you <laughs> you feel like a Godfather going to Mancini. Hey, yeah. you expect to see you know Joe Pesci, De Niro, and James Gandolfini, you know, in a corner yeah. of that bar. Yeah, talking about they got to get the papers. <laughs> yeah, okay, get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that guy about that thing. You know right, that thing? Right. Yeah. You, you know that, that other. Yeah. Which am I going? Yeah, right. I took care it, of that for every you. time I go to Mancini, is you feel like there's something going on yeah that's true that's the way i always have keep that's the way i always keep my back to the wall yeah. and don't stare too long and don't stare at all <laughs> all right that's the end of the podcast and um gosh you want you want to tell them before we go away what the next one we're talking about oh we because you really want to i'm really stoked about this yeah uh, this is actually my um we're going to be working on our uh, our favorite films here and this is my favorite film and some of you might be scratching your head going what and um um, the thing is, is I'll, I want to explain myself too. So, uh, next film we're going to be talking about is Martin Scorsese's uh, 2001 film, The Gangs of New York, of New York, adapted from the book by Herbert Asbury. So, I'm very, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, All right, yeah. Thanks for listening. Oh. Listen, y'all.